Welcome to the Rosemont Baptist Church Podcast. Rosemont is a thriving group of believers who desire to connect with Jesus and His church, grow in faith and understanding of God's Word, and serve in our local area and around the world. We are located in LaGrange, Georgia at 3794 Hamilton Road and invite you to attend any of our three services on Sunday mornings. Please visit our website at rosemontchurch.org for more information. And now we pray that God speaks to you in a personal way as you listen to this week's message from Pastor Adam Camp. Take your Bibles this morning and open to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Before I jump into this, I want you to go ahead and find it. I want, I want to kind of make you aware of something and ask you to be in prayer and, and consider being a part of this. Uh, unfortunately, in the world we live in, security in churches is a big deal. And I'm very pleased with uh, where we're headed, the direction we're headed with our security at church. We've got a great team of people that sit among us even now and that are out front, very vigilant. But we can always use more help. And so if you have any interest in being part of our security team, Joseph Dowden heads that up. He's out in our lobby right now and will be at the Connect Desk. He's actually sitting right there, just kidding. He'll be out at the Connect Desk between services. If you're interested in serving, would like to know more about it, he's got plenty of information and would love for you to come talk to him again. We've got a great group of men and women that do that, and, and I want to just publicly thank them for their effort and for the work they put in, the training they've put in. We're very, very blessed, uh, but we can always use more help. Okay, 2 Corinthians chapter 4. It's the time of year where exciting things happen, and we begin to think about new stuff, and we begin to be excited about the future. And, and I'm not going to ask you to name any, but I'm just curious. Be honest. How many have made some sort of a New Year's resolution? Anybody here made a New Year's resolution? A few of you, a few that are honest, <laughs> y'all are kind of, yeah. What, so I, you're going to know these, but if you Google like top New Year's resolutions, just yell a couple of them out. What are some of the top New Year's resolutions? Lose weight. That's number one, right? That's on the top of everybody's list. I want to lose a little weight. I want to get a little healthy. So I'll see you in the gym tomorrow for the next couple of weeks at least, right? That's what we do. We get excited for a few weeks and then we kind of trail off. That's the number one. Right up under that usually is something to do with money. Like, I want to save a little bit more this year. I want to be a little more frugal in my spending. I, maybe I want to set a budget for, for the first time. And then sometimes a, a new hobby. And, and all those things are good, by the way. Those are really good things to do. But I want to uh, think this morning kind of beyond the, the earthly, physical things that we typically think about. And I want to think about the spiritual this morning. Because I want to ask you a question. Of, of the New Year's resolutions that maybe you've set this year or that you've set in the past... How many of them are spiritual in nature? Like we're, we're quick to say, I, I need to lose a little weight or, or get in shape or save a little money. Again, those are good things. But how often do we say, listen, I, I really want to grow in my walk with Christ this year. And in order to do it, I'm going to do this. Maybe I'm going to try to read through the whole Bible this year. That's a, that's a pretty big feat. That's a great thing to do. Maybe I'm going to read through just the New Testament. Maybe I'm going to memorize larger portions of Scripture, right? We, we, we memorized a portion of uh, John chapter 1 over the Christmas break, and you could continue to add to that if you wanted to. Maybe you want to spend more time in study. But I, I just want you to think this morning a little bit beyond the physical and, and see things maybe through the lens of the spiritual. And in order to do that and to kind of get a picture of what that might look like, I want to look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Now, in this particular chapter, Paul has written, by the way, this letter to the church at Corinth, and Paul writes his letters oftentimes to correct theological problems 
or to teach some theological truth. And in the early part of 2 Corinthians 4, uh, Paul has talked about the, the glory of the Lord and the greatness of Christ. And he talked about these things and he, he uses this phrase uh, when he's thinking about all that God has given us and all the gifts that he's given us. He talks about the treasure. And so we see in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, we, we have that on the screen, by the way. You can look at it there or you can use your Bible where you're sitting. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 7, Paul says we have this treasure. Now, the, the treasure he's talking about is the glory of Christ, the glory of the Lord, the beauty of who God is in our life. Right? We've got this treasure, but they're in jars of clay. Now, if you've ever uh, kind of held or, or used a, an actual clay jar, they're very fragile, aren't they? If you set it down too hard or if you accidentally drop it, it's going to uh, break into a lot of different pieces. And so Paul's making this interesting point. He wants us to see here, right? There's this beautiful picture of the glory of Christ and his beauty and his power and his majesty. And it's a, it's a treasure for us, but he stored it in these fragile little containers. That's interesting, isn't it? Because I, I don't have, personally, I don't have much of a physical treasure in my life. But if I did, I would keep it somewhere secure, right? We use banks or, or safes or we have places that are secure and strong so that we know nobody can get in and, and steal, break in and take what we have. But Paul says, listen, we, we've got this treasure, this beauty from the Lord, the power of Christ, his glory, and it's stored in jars of clay. Why? Here it is, verse 7, the second half. To show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. There it is. Paul says, listen, you, you've been given this beautiful treasure. He's storing it in these earthen vessels that are very fragile in order to demonstrate that the power that we have comes from the Lord and not from ourselves. Now I want you to notice what happens in verse 8. Let's just continue reading through this. Paul says, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed. Perplexed, but not driven to despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. Right? Paul says, listen, it's, it's a struggle. It's a difficulty in life. We're, we're crushed. We're pushed down. We're perplexed oftentimes. It's like the world's kind of crowding in on us. I had a couple of interesting conversations before the last service. And you, know, you go around and ask people how their Christmas was and Happy New Year, how are things going. I had a couple of different conversations with people that said to me, listen, I sure hope 2020 is better than 2019. <laughs> And they proceeded to tell me some of the struggles they've had. And, and maybe you kind of come this morning thinking that. You think, you know, where I've been is difficult. Uh, it's been a real struggle for me. Maybe last year was hard and things happened that I really don't ever want to happen again. And so maybe you're to this point, you're, you're looking ahead to the new year for something good, something better. You're hopeful. And so, so you understand, you get it, the idea that we're afflicted in every way. We're crushed. We're perplexed, we're persecuted, we're struck down. That makes sense to you this morning. But there's great hope. Skip down to verse 16. Paul says, So we do not lose hope. Though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light momentary affliction is preparing for us 
an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. And so I want to look past this morning the physical. I want to look past the earthly. I want to look past all the resolutions we're going to probably make the deal with money or health or all those things that we've already mentioned. And I want to think about the spiritual. And I want to think this morning about spiritual vision. So I'm going to give you some truth right out of 2 Corinthians chapter 4 that I believe will help you in this upcoming year have a clear spiritual vision of all the Lord wants to do through you. Here's the first truth I want you to see, number one. We can have spiritual vision by being continually renewed in our faith. We can have spiritual vision by being continually renewed in our faith. If you want to look past the things of the world, if you want to look past the physical, and instead you want to have a spiritual perspective on the things of life, then you need to, on a regular basis, renew your faith. Now, Paul kind of has already led us in on this secret that life is hard. And he's used all sorts of words and phrases in verses 16, 17, 18, and following. But then in verse 16, he kind of paints this picture for us. He says, listen, we're perplexed, we're we're crushed, we're, we're persecuted. But verse 16, we don't lose heart. Why? Because though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. You know, it seems like the older you get, the, the less things work the way they used to work, right? Does anybody else feel that way? Am I the only one? Like, I'm not, I don't think yet, old. My kids would probably tell you something different. I don't feel real old yet, but I'm to the point, I, I know I'm kind of getting up there a little bit. I'm, I'm pushing, I guess, a little farther up because I sometimes forget my age and I have to do the math. Anybody else do that? Like you can't remember how old you are, and I'll tell my kids I'm a certain age. They're like, Dad, I don't, I don't think you're really that age. And I have to sit and kind of do the math, and I realize I'm not really that age. I'm actually you're older or you're younger, right? And as we get older, we begin to understand this idea that the outward is wasting away. We, we get that, right? We understand the, the physical constraints of this body. We understand that things aren't like they used to be, but there's this beautiful reminder in Scripture, though the outward, pull verse 16 up, though the outward self is wasting away, right? We understand that. Our inner self is being renewed day by day. So here's the picture. We as believers, even though our bodies wear out, even though the world may be spinning out of control around us, even though we are crushed and persecuted and perplexed, Even though 2019 was terrible and we're hoping for better things in 2020, even though the outer is wasting away, there's this inner strength of a believer. It's a treasure found only in Christ. you understand that? And so we say, listen, I understand the world is a struggle. I understand there are difficulties that surround me. I understand when I go into work tomorrow, things are going to be tough. I know there's something looming ahead. I, I get all that. But within me, there's this strength. There's this inner power that's renewed day by day, not because of who I am, not because of my own abilities, but because I have this treasure that Paul calls it, living within me of Christ. And so the trick for us is to kind of separate the two. To realize oftentimes that there's, there's nothing that we can do to control the surroundings that we have to live in. 
Oftentimes we're completely out of control of what this person does and how this person acts and how our boss responds or how an employee thinks or how this person does that or says this. Those things are out of our control. What we can control instead is that inner strength we find in Christ. What we can control is this process of renewal. But I want you to notice something in verse 16 here. Pull 16 back up again. So we don't lose heart. Even though the outward is out of control, it's wasting away. The inward is being renewed, but it's not being renewed in one failed swoop. It's not being renewed one time forever. It's being renewed instead day by day. There's a process there. And so we find ourselves kind of walking through the the Christian life, understanding that every single day that I live is another opportunity for me to grow in my faith. Every person that I encounter, every situation that I deal with, everything I'm going through is an opportunity for the Lord to display His glory and an opportunity for me to grow in my walk with Christ. Amy does scrapbooks, and she's been doing scrapbooks for 20 years. And when she first started doing scrapbooks, I'm, I'm, I'm the good husband. I'll just go ahead and admit, it didn't make sense to me. I was like, why are we doing scrapbooks? Kind of strange. You know, they're just pictures, and it didn't really mean a lot to me. But... The more she's done them, and now we have scrapbooks that are 18, 19 years old, the more she's done these scrapbooks, they've become more valuable to me because they're a snapshot of our life, like our family. And so we joke, if the house ever burns down, we're getting the kids out first and the scrapbooks out second because those are a big deal to us. They have kind of a, a picture of who we've been and where we've gone. But the thing that's interesting about scrapbooks, and you've probably done this in pictures in general from many years ago, it's amazing how much people change, especially your children, in just a few years. Right, there, there's this age when your kids are, are you know, kind of elementary, middle to high school that every couple of years they look drastically different than they did before. And you look back on pictures from five or ten years ago and your children look completely different, right? You see this change in them that you don't necessarily see day to day. But when you go back and look pictures from 8, 10, 12, 15 years ago, you realize how much your children have grown. You realize how much your life has changed how much your family has changed. That didn't happen overnight, right? There's a slow and steady process. It's the same way with our walk with Christ. I I think a lot of times we believe if we do kind of one big thing, we're going to grow and be good and everything's going to just kind of take off for us. And instead, what typically happens in your walk with Christ is it's just a little bit at a time, kind of a drip, 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 kind of the slow and steady wins the race idea, the tortoise and the hare, we know the old story. I can't tell you the number of people that I have known in my life that have gotten very excited for the things of Christ, and praise the Lord, they did. And they just kind of came out of the gate just flying, just 900 miles an hour, and for several weeks, maybe in several months, they kept at that pace, and eventually they, they, they realized they can't keep it up, and they slowed down, and eventually they stopped. It's very easy to start strong. It's very easy to kind of set this New Year's resolution of, I'm going to do these things for Christ. I'm going to spend this time in the Word. I'm going to do all these great things. And those are good, but what we have to keep in mind is it's a marathon, not a sprint, right, in our walk with Christ. And if you start out fast and then eventually stop, you're not going to accomplish the things Christ has called you to accomplish. Instead, there's this inner renewal day by day, moment by moment. I'm going to wake up every morning and I'm going to give this day to Christ. I'm going to wake up every day and I'm going to say, Lord, how can I bring you glory today? I'm going to walk into every situation at work wondering how the Lord's going to use this for his glory, right? Slow and steady. Day by day, we are renewed. Now, some of you are saying, I get it. 
I understand that. I understand the process. I understand it's important. But there's a lot of things I'm struggling with right now. There's a lot of things I'm going through. Uh, Adam, if you only knew what lies ahead of me in this next year, these next few weeks, uh, you would understand. What do I need to do specifically, right? So I need to be growing. I get that. There's this onward process. There's this upward process. There's this slow and steady wins the race kind of idea. But give me some specific things. What do I need to be doing on a regular basis? Look at verse 17. Paul's already said, don't lose heart, outwards wasting away, the inwards being renewed day by day. 4, verse 17, this light, momentary affliction, and you can fill in the blank as to what that means for every different person, is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. As we look, not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are Eternal. How do we have spiritual vision? We understand, first of all, that we need to renew our inner self on a regular basis. Truth number two, we can have spiritual vision by keeping an eternal perspective. If you want to radically change the way you see life, the way you live for Christ, begin to have an eternal perspective, right? Far too many of us have an earthly perspective. Far too many think about the things of this world far more than we think about the things of the Lord. But here's what Paul wants us to see. Our troubles, the struggles we're going through, the persecution we face, whatever it might be, our troubles are not eternal, they are temporary. You understand that? Regardless of what you're walking through, how big it is, how bad it is, how difficult it's making your life, none of those things are going to last into eternity. And the problem we face oftentimes is we let these temporal things, these temporary things on earth, supersede the eternal things that Christ has for us. And so we get so bogged down in the world and the struggles and the troubles and all the problems we have that we forget there's an eternal perspective, right? And so Paul tells us, he kind of tells us what's happening here. For this light momentary affliction is, what is the word there? Preparing for us an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison. Paul says, listen, you need to kind of understand that the difficulties you're facing now are opportunities for God to display his glory in your life. You ever thought about that? Like for most people, the struggles that we face, the trials that we face, all the persecution and whatever it looks like in your life, all those struggles and difficulties we face, oftentimes we see those as bad things. We pray the Lord would remove those. We don't want them in our life. We want to be rid of them. And I get that. I understand that. But the perspective we we need to have more often than not is that, listen, even though I'm struggling through this, this is an opportunity for God to display his glory in my life. Like that person at work that you just can't stand or that can't stand you or you're just like this, you can't get along, you kind of figure it out. We've all got those kinds of situations in our life, right? Maybe God is using that example. Maybe God is using that relationship to grow you in your walk with him. You ever thought about it like that? What if it's an opportunity for him to display his glory? What if it's an opportunity for him to display his power? When you begin to see your troubles and your struggles from an eternal perspective, from the glory of the Lord perspective, it begins to change the way you think. One one of the greatest examples of that is is found in John chapter 9. You don't have to flip there, but I want you to hear it. I want you to hear it from the words of Christ. 
Because Jesus and his disciples are, are walking and, and traveling along, and as is usually the case in Scripture, they encounter someone with a physical need. And by the way, the model that Christ used oftentimes was he healed people physically in order to have an audience with them spiritually in that need. Like, let's level them, let's take care of their needs, let's heal them, so then I can share with them the truth, because now I've got an audience with them, I've got kind of a platform upon which I can build. And so they're, they're traveling along, and, and the Bible says in John chapter 9, verse 2, uh, as they went along, he saw a man blind from birth. Now, I'm not blind, most of you are not, so we don't understand the struggle of being blind, but we can imagine the difficulty and how it must change life. And so the disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned? Now they're thinking somebody sinned because this is punishment and he's blind because somebody did something wrong. Who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Right? They see it as the negative. Listen to the answer of Jesus, John chapter 9, verse 3. Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. Now watch, here it is. This is the key. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Christ says, listen, no, nobody did anything wrong here. There's no punishment for sin. His parents didn't do anything. He didn't do anything wrong. None of that's the case. The real reason, Jesus says, is that this man was born blind so that the glory of God could be displayed in his life. You understand what's happening there? He's walking through this trouble in order that God may use him to display his glory. See, all the healings that Jesus did and, and all the miraculous things that Jesus did came in the midst of somebody's struggle. Je Jesus couldn't have healed a blind man unless there was a man struggling with blindness, right? Jesus couldn't cause the lame to walk unless there was somebody that was having trouble walking, Jesus couldn't have raised Lazarus from the dead if Lazarus had not actually died. Right? We can't understand the light unless we first experience the darkness. But far too many of us have got an earthly perspective. And we don't see the troubles and the struggles and the persecutions from a heavenly perspective, right? We don't understand that it's an opportunity for the Lord to display His glory. So we need to begin to say, listen, I'm going to try to renew myself inwardly. I'm going to try to grow in my walk. And as I do it, part of the process is I'm going to begin to see everything from an eternal perspective. I'm going to see the, the struggles and the trials that I face as an opportunity not for me to get mad or bitter or angry at a coworker, but instead as an opportunity for God to display his glory in my life. Now let's finish this thing up. Look at verse 17 again. For this light momentary affliction is preparing us, right? God's got a bigger plan for an eternal weight of glory beyond all Comparison. By the way, the glory the Lord's going to show you through your struggles is far greater than the struggles themselves. Verse 18, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. Here's the third thing I want you to see this morning. We have spiritual vision, very simply, by fixing our eyes on Christ. If you want to have spiritual vision for the new year, you need to fix your eyes on 
Christ. Far too many of us are short-sighted in our spiritual walk. I don't have very good vision. In fact, I've worn either glasses or corrective lenses uh, most of my life, since I was a young child, elementary school. I used to wear glasses when they weren't cool to wear, by the way, kids. So that was my struggle when I was in elementary school. But I'm nearsighted, so I can't see literally out past about a foot and a half, things become real blurry for me. And so if I took my contacts out right now and you saw me read, this is no joke, I read like this. I have to be really close to the paper. And it's, I see it as a blessing because at night I can take my contacts out and my eyes can rest and I can still read. So I can read books at night, but if you saw me, it'd be kind of silly. But if I had my contacts out, I couldn't see anybody where you're sitting. Now, I know where everybody sits anyway, so I know whether you're here or not, by the way. But I wouldn't be able to actually see your face. And so I have to have a lens in order to see past about a foot and a half, right? Far too many of us are short-sighted in life. That's why it's so hard for us to lose weight. Maybe I should say this about myself. It's hard for me to lose weight because candy tastes a lot better than being skinny feels. At least in my mind it does, right? <laughs> and so my wife and I, even we go through this every year. I don't know why we do it. We do stockings for each other. And the, the, you know, kind of the go-to in the stocking for me is the Toblerone. Who likes the Toblerone? Yes. Greatest candy in the world. If you've never had it, you're missing out. Just trust me on this. Toblerone. And I don't just, I mean, I get it once a year, so I don't just get a Toblerone. I get the massive, you know, the Big Daddy Toblerone that's like this big. And I got two of them this year. And so as I'm thinking about losing weight, I'm just stuffing my face with Toblerones all through Christmas. It's not good. Why? We're short-sighted, right? We're, we do that in life. And we do that with the spiritual. We, we know that if we spend time studying God's Word, in the long run, it's going to be helpful. But I sure would rather be on Facebook for the next 30 minutes. Right? Now, we know that if we pray, God is going to answer those prayers and going to do great work. But I sure am tired and would love to go to sleep a little bit early tonight. Right? We're, we're nearsighted. We're short-sighted. We need the lens of Christ so we can look through and see the world differently than we've done before. I'll never forget a couple years ago when we went to Zambia. We've taken our family to Zambia two different times and stayed at New Day Orphanage. And by the way, there's an opportunity this summer for you to go to New Day if you'd like to do that. But we went as a family and stayed for kind of an extended period of time. And when you go to New Day and you leave, part of the kind of the, the getting home part is you get to do a safari, which is kind of your little reward, I guess, for being in Africa for a while. And safari is amazing. We did part on the river and, and part in a Jeep. And I'll never forget the second time we went, we got in the Jeep. And we're riding around, and we saw hundreds and hundreds of elephants, right? I'm talking, I'm not, I'm not exaggerating, hundreds and hundreds of elephants. It's amazing. And you're driving through them, and I'll, I'll never forget, we drove kind of around this corner and up this hill, and from about, y'all all are laughing because you know the story I'm about to tell. From here to the sound booth was a fully grown adult male African elephant. Those things are big, right? This thing getting tamed, he's not in a zoo, there's not some guy controlling him with a leash or some food or whatever. This is a wild elephant. And for whatever reason, he didn't like us. And you could tell he was, usually they're kind of still and they're just kind of cool and they're kind of chill. You know, this thing was moving his feet and he was anxious and he was, he was making some noise and the driver immediately knew what was happening. And so he turned our truck to kind of look longer and bigger to the elephant, started revving the engine. Vroom, and he said, you know, we got to get out of here. This guy's going to charge us. Well, I'm telling you, from the moment I knew what was happening until we were completely out of sight, I did not lose sight of that elephant. 
Like, I, I don't know what in the world I was going to do if he charged us, but I was going to watch him 100% of the time. I was not taking my eyes off of him, right? And so I watched him, and the driver apparently had done this before, whipped us around and just kind of got out of there in a hurry, and no harm, no foul, I guess, right? We were all fine. But I, I remember just staring, just, just fixated on that thing because I understood the power of that elephant, I understood what he could do to us if so inclined, right? We need to focus on Christ because of his power. Like we should live life understanding Jesus is here. <laughs> He's got the power to change my heart. He's got the power to change my life. He's got the power to, to heal and to fix and to mend and to smooth over. And whatever you're going through, whatever struggle you have in your life, though the outward is wasting away, the inward is being renewed because we're fixing our eyes on Christ and we understand that we have within us whatever his power is to overcome the world, right? It won't overcome us. And yet far too often we focus on the things that don't matter. We focus on the, the shiny, fun, new things. How often are we setting aside the things of the world and instead focusing on the things of Christ? You know, 2020 is an exciting time. It's a new opportunity. It's a chance for you to kind of start anew and, and fresh and, and create new habits. And all the physical things matter and the weight loss and the money and all those things are good. But I, as your pastor, I just want to encourage you, let this be the year where you say, you know what, I'm going to look at life maybe for the first time or the first time in a long time through a spiritual lens. I'm, I'm going to renew my inner life. I'm going to focus on the eternal. And I'm going to keep Christ the center of everything that I do. When we do that, I promise you 2020 will be the greatest year you've ever experienced. Let me pray for us. Father, we thank you for your word. It's true. It's accurate. It's compelling. It's challenging. It's hopeful. It's joyful, Father. I pray that we would take to heart this truth, Lord. I pray that we would renew our hearts inwardly. I pray we'd keep an eternal perspective, Father. I pray we'd keep our eyes on Jesus. And I pray that 2020 would be the greatest year we've ever experienced. Not because of our power or because we lose a lot of weight or save a lot of money, Father. But instead it would be because we've focused on you. We trust you more and more. Do great work in our hearts. We'll give you the praise and the honor and the glory. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. You can stand. This is your chance to respond. You come. You pray as we sing together this morning.